Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Now, here's Frank Morano. Uh, you know what's happening today? Today, the Oscar this morning, the Oscar nominations are coming out. So they should be out uh, around 8.30 Eastern. So I'm looking forward to seeing what's nominated. Not because I've seen um, many of the movies. In fact, I haven't. But I use those as, I don't know, it's fun. Between now, the day the nominations come out, and the actual award ceremony, I try to see as many of the films that that are nominated as possible in as many of the different categories. And then I end up seeing a lot of films that I really enjoy that I would not have otherwise seen. It's kind of a, a, a fun checklist for me. I'm never able to check anything off. And that was... Excuse me. In my heyday, when I was watching films much more often than now that we have a child and I'm not watching them uh, at all anymore. It's going to be interesting to see in the aftermath of the Emmys, which drew a very paltry audience, only four million people. It's going to be very interesting to see what the numbers are like for the Academy Awards this year, because it seems that the award show audiences in general, people are not into it. There was an uptick for the Golden Globes this year. That's true. But it's still a long ways from where they used to be. I mean, 4 million people watched the um, Emmys. It's not significant at all. Uh, You know what is doing well? I don't think you need me to tell you. Football. Football. Of the 100 most watched live television events last year, 93 of them. No, excuse me not just live television events, of the 100 most watched television events last year, 93 of them were NFL football games. So that is where the audience is. And this past weekend was no exception. I told you I watched a lot of the games. I was uh, not alone because the NFL's divisional playoff games have delivered monster television ratings. ESPN said on Monday, that its broadcast of the Texans-Ravens game was a record-shattering showdown for the network, averaging 31.8 million viewers. And its most-watched, ESPN's most-watched NFL game ever, 31.8 million people. Over at CBS, that network saw an even larger audience. The Chiefs-Bills game that had that... uh, Ending with a missed field goal, wide right. That averaged a whopping 39.3 million viewers, which was up 14% from last year's comparable matchup. And, of course, people are already, you, you don't even need me to tell you, right? They're attributing this to Taylor Swift. They're saying this is the Taylor Swift effect. That's why the viewership was up 14% from the similar game last year. So at a time... When broadcast television and cable television 
and linear television is on the decline, the NFL continues to prove to be an unrivaled bright spot for television and live television especially. All right. A lot we're going to get to this hour. We got Noam Layden coming up. We got the mail coming up. And we will uh, try and get to as many of your calls as possible here. 800-848-9222. John is in Nevada. John's asleep. All right. So John's snoring. So we'll try to see if we should leave him on there. We'll leave him up there and see if he wakes up and see what he has to say. That is a loud snore. I mean, that's a Larry in Brooklyn snore. That's a snore of a man who may have a sleep apnea issue. 800 you know, I would leave him up, but I hear myself in the background. He didn't uh, turn his radio off. That's a uh, Corralos uh, failure, apparently. So we'll we'll get back to him a, a little later. 800-848-9222. Let me just mention this, and then I'll get back to your calls. I heard, I was listening, you know, I listen to a lot of talk radio. I lose track of what show I listen to when. But I heard a caller to one of the shows mention China. And um, the caller said something along the lines of, and China is the biggest buyer of farmland, American farmland in the country. Now, I thought to myself, there's no way that's true. How can they be? I think she even said the biggest owner of American farmland. I said, there's no way that's true. How could that be? I said, let me check. Wouldn't you know it? Is China the biggest owner of American farmland in the country? Maybe. Probably not. But it was not a crazy thing to say. So sure enough, I'm going to explain this. And, you know, we did the whole story about uh, China buying residential homes And, you know, maybe there's no broad conspiracy there, but this is potentially even more controversial because the topic of China's ownership of U.S. farmlands is starting to boil over. Six months after it was reported that a bipartisan bill aims to block Chinese purchase of U.S. farmland, more are starting to pay attention as even Bloomberg notes that America is seeing more and more of its most fertile land snapped up by China and other foreign buyers. And the big problem is this, though. It's difficult to know just how much farmland China has bought due to the problems with how the U.S. tracks such data. Here's what we do know. This is according to the Department of Agriculture data. You can look it up yourself. Foreign ownership and investment in U.S. farmland, pastures, and forests jumped to about 40 million acres in 2021. That is up 40% from 2016. But an analysis uh, conducted by the U.S. Government Accountability Office, which is a nonpartisan watchdog that reports to Congress, found mistakes in the data including the largest land holding linked with China being counted twice. Other challenges include the USDA's reliance on foreigners self-reporting their activity. So uh, with that 40 million acres may not be accurate, but that is a big jump in just a few years. It's not all China. And it might even be more than that because we're relying on self-reporting. So... It is interesting, and um, it's interesting that even Bloomberg is starting to pay pay attention. They had an interesting story. China is buying up U.S. farmland, but how much isn't clear. I'm going to link to that article on my uh, Facebook page if you want to read it, uh, because I think it is potentially pretty alarming, because I think it raises all sorts of concerns, quite frankly, about the food supply, about a lot of other things. But you have foreign ownership of U.S. crops and cropland. It's drawing attention from Washington. I mean, there's threats to the food supply chain. There's other national security risks. And some lawmakers in both parties, by the way, have called for a crackdown on sales of farmland to China and other countries. So 
I think this is pretty alarming. I don't want to be alarmist and overstate the problem here, but Texas, they have the most foreign-held U.S. agricultural land at uh, 4.7 million acres. So foreign investors own 37.6 million acres of U.S. agricultural land, which is 2.9% of all privately held agricultural land. And it's 1.7% of all the land in the country, period. So the GAO uh, made six recommendations, including that the U.S. Department of Agriculture share more timely and complete data with the Committee on Foreign Investment in the U.S., which is an interagency panel. And uh, we'll see where that we'll see where that goes. But, you know, I think this is something worth keeping an eye on. I really do. 800-848-9222. Alan is in Orange County. Hi, Alan. Good morning to you, Frank. Thank you, Alan. I'm glad you're awake. Uh, yeah. Um, so I wanted to hearken back to your segment with Judge Napolitano um, with respect to all these juries that uh, are involved in all the Trump cases, with the exception of the one from New York, which was by trial judge. Um, well, but, but that's wonder, not a that's not a criminal case. That's a civil case. Yeah, right. I have to wonder if uh, these jury members have been, uh, you know, when they were seated, have they been vetted? And what is their makeup? Are they all Democrat jury members? Because that would obviously show bias and, you know, point to a trial that is not a fair trial. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I've been talking about this. They don't know. um, They don't necessarily know the political makeup of all the jurors. But one of the things they did, which I thought was uh, unfair, is that in the uh, E. Jean Carroll case, they did disqualify three jurors that said they didn't believe that Biden had won the election fairly. Now, the reason I thought it was unfair, and again, I I don't believe that, by the way, but uh, the reason I thought that was unfair was because there's a lot of people, and it correlates pretty well with the number of Trump supporters, that think Biden didn't win the election. I I would say, uh, I don't have the latest numbers in front of me, but I would say between 40 and 60% of Trump supporters, maybe more, don't believe that Biden won the election. So if you're going to weed people out based on their belief that Biden won the election fairly, to me, it's almost like you're weeding out Trump supporters. I don't know what they're doing with, well, really, they haven't begun jury selection in the Alvin Bragg case or the Georgia case or the documents case or the, um, you know, the the Florida case. So I don't know what they're going to do there, but I expect they're going to try similar things. And obviously it depends when these trials take place and, you know, whose Justice Department is prosecuting them. But it's an interesting point to raise. By the way, if people don't know because different stations take different hours of the show. If people don't know what Alan is talking about, about my interview with Judge Napolitano, if your station doesn't carry that hour, you got to catch up on the podcast. Subscribe to the podcast so you can hear all four hours of the show, even if it's an hour that your station doesn't carry. You can do that just by searching um, The Other Side of Midnight on any podcast app. And you can get the show downloaded to your phone every day, either hour by hour or one big file. Or uh, you can just go to redapplepodcastnetwork.com and just search The Other Side of Midnight and you get the uh, the podcast there. I try to f- always share the link on uh, Facebook as well. Um, just search my Facebook, facebook.com slash Morano fan. 800-848-9222. Joaquin is in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. Uh, Hi, Joaquin. Frank, Frank, my brother. Oh, my gosh, you've thrown so many topics at me now, and I want to talk about my favorite one, which is me, you know, and I'm an accomplished artist with the uh, six guns, and um, I am very well acquainted with the 18, I'm, yeah, with the 1873 single-action army, 45 long-called six gun, and uh, you erroneously referred to as a prop gun. That was a real gun that they used on that set, and most of the guns you see in the movies are actually real guns, and as a matter of fact, as far as the history goes, when you look at some of the older movies prior to Clint Eastwood and Sergei Leone, uh, they uh, were using guns that were not periodically correct. And it was the Italian gun makers, Pieta and Uberti, who actually made, Colt didn't make the single-action army anymore. 
and the, and the Italian gun makers actually brought them back. But as far as I go, I used to perform as a guy named Wild Bill Pocono because like Wild Bill Hickok, I could pull two pistols at the same time and hit two targets. And when I did my performances of possibly anybody, I didn't do a lot of them over 14 years. I did a couple a year. And, uh, and I used to be able to shoot two targets out of the air at the same time. I used balloon bluster, balloon buster blanks and real guns. So, uh, Joaquin, this is fascinating. Um, and I'll look forward to reading this chapter in your autobiography. But, but what's the point? All right, Alex Baldwin was lying, okay, when he said that he, uh, didn't, he didn't pull the trigger. When it comes to the Colt revolver, okay, it has what they call four positions to the hammer. Okay, the first one is a safety click. You pull it back, and it's like a quarter cock. And back in the day, if you were right, if, if you just laid the hammer down on a chamber and you were riding a horse or whatever, you dropped the gun, the gun could go off, okay? So you pulled it back to the first click. That was a safety cock. You could pull the trigger. You could do anything you wanted. The gun would not go off, okay? You pull it back to the half cock. Same thing. You pull the trigger. Nothing could happen, but now you can open the gate. You could unload the gun, spin the cylinder, and do whatever. Same thing. Okay, when you pull it back to the third, that was a full cock position, okay? Then the fourth was you would pull the trigger and the gun would go bang, okay? That gun could not go bang unless he cocked the hammer all the way right. back. Right, I, I understand, trigger. but my question to the judge was it, he had every reason to believe that the gun yeah. didn't have real bullets. I, I don't yeah, think yeah. he would have pulled the trigger if he thought there were real bullets in there. That, I, I that's agree, what I said. I, I agree 100% with that, but there was a lot of irresponsibility there because when I did my performances, and I'll look you up, and I will try and send you a little bit of video because you won't find me online. I won't get into that, but anyway, uh, there's people around, okay. And I'm using a special, I'm using a special charge for this, okay. And as I said, in all these movies that you see, they are using real guns and they're pointing them at the camera, okay. But they said that they were doing some shooting or whatever. Whenever I did any performances or anybody else that I knew that was involved in any type of performances, you don't have live ammunition. You double check everything. I had people right. loading guns sure. for me. Exactly. That that I, that's where I can see there, there being a problem. No, there was no live ammunition. I double checked everything, you know, and so it was my responsibility when I had other people loading my guns for me because I had multiple guns at the time, you know. I put out my boxes that had my blanks right, in them, right. and there was no live ammunition. All right. All right. Thank you, Joaquin. Appreciate that. I mean, it, it took a, a long time to get where we were going. In any event, uh, last night I was uh, caught up in something. I don't know. I was either reading or biking or parenting, one of the three, or, or eating, one of my favorite ING things to do. And it was about um, 20 minutes after 7. I said to my wife, hey, you know, we didn't get to watch Jeopardy. We usually try to watch Jeopardy or at least keep it on while we're doing other things. I said, let's at least turn on Final Jeopardy. So we turn on Final Jeopardy. And the category is U.S. presidents and vice presidents. I said, ha! Uh, Rachel, my wife, turns to Carmine and says, dad's going to bet all his money. I said, I guarantee you I'm getting it, getting it right. And I'll tell you what. I'm going to try and guess the, both the response and the clue. Here's what the the uh, the response, the correct question. It's not an answer, but the correct question is going to be. The correct question is going to be, who is Richard Nixon and Franklin Delano Roosevelt? And I think the response, or the, uh, the clue, is going to be, these two men are the only m- major party nominees to have appeared on a ballot for general election, for the general election for president or vice president five times. Nixon and FDR. That's it. That's what it's going to be. And I said, honey... How impressed are you going to be if this is the question? I said, I could tell people this, but no one's going to believe me. You have to be prepared to offer testimony. And she said, I will tell people. I'm watching this and listening to you, but I don't know that people are going to believe me. They might think I'm biased. Well, sure enough, we don't have to worry about that because that was not the clue. So it was a very interesting clue. I'm going to play it for you. This is from last night on uh, on on Jeopardy. Listen to this. Jeopardy, where famous names is the category today. Here's oh. the clue. In 1966. This is the year- not, no, that's not from last night's Jeopardy. Well, that's disappointing. Um, well, anyway, so from last night's Jeopardy, the, the category was, <clears throat> um, fa- was uh, presidents and vice presidents. And the clue was, um, hey, Tony, where did we get that clue from? I have the slightest idea. I, I didn't pull that up. Okay. All right. Well, so 
anyway, the um, the clue in the category of presidents and vice presidents was not what I had predicted, but it was an interesting an interesting question or interesting clue nonetheless. Okay, the so the uh, let me pull up see if I could pull up the recap here, um, <clears throat> and you see now I got to go through a website with an ad, and the okay, so the. Question was the first president and vice president, or the clue was the first president and vice president not born in one of the original 13 states were both born in this state. Now, I'd love to be able to play for you what people said, but I couldn't. So they, a bunch of people guessed Tennessee because they were thinking. Andrew Jackson, because, you know, they think of him as old hickory, but Andrew Jackson wasn't born in Tennessee. He was born in the Carolinas. I learned that from uh, Brian Kilmeade's last book on Andrew Jackson. So then my guess, I knew it was not Tennessee. My guess was Ohio because I was thinking William Henry Harrison, the ninth president of the United States, I knew he was from Ohio. I think he was the first president from Ohio. Uh, He'd been a senator from Ohio. That's my guess. And I couldn't have picked who the vice president was. So anyway, they give the clue. None of the contestants get it right. And whenever all of them get it right, you know it's a little too easy. But whenever none of them get it right, you know it's a little too hard, I think. So anyway, um, the correct response was Kentucky. And obviously I knew Lincoln was born in Kentucky. It turns out my answer of William um, Henry Harrison was inaccurate because he was actually born in Virginia, not Ohio. And and I'm sorry I can't play this for you because it really would have illustrated my point. But the, the correct answer was Kentucky. And he mentions, yeah, Abraham Lincoln, everyone talks about Illinois being the land of Lincoln. But he was actually born in Kentucky. And that's it. They go on with the end of show stuff. And I'm thinking, wait a minute. Aren't they going to mention which vice president was born in Kentucky? And I thought that was just a painful omission. They never mentioned the vice president. They had a clue asking, in essence, who was, you know, this first president and vice president born in a state that wasn't one of the original 13 states who, you know, were born in this state. And they told us the answer was Kentucky. They told us the first president born there was Lincoln. But they never gave people the answer as to who the first vice president was. So I am I had to look this up. But it was Richard Mentor Johnson. A lot of you probably don't even know who Richard Mentor Johnson was. I did not know he was from Kentucky. I had actually forgotten that Richard M. Tor Johnson existed. The one thing I did know about him was that he was the only vice president elected by the U.S. Senate under the provisions of the 12th Amendment. But I had no idea he was from Kentucky. So I would have gotten it right. I would have gotten it incorrect. I would have bet Ohio and lost all my money. It's just like real gambling. You, I lose my money in real gambling or lose my money in fantasy gambling on uh, on Jeopardy. But. Uh, sure enough, for those of you that are Jeopardy fans and were watching that, as I was, wondering, who was the vice president born in Kentucky? Richard M. Johnson. Now you know the rest of the story. 800-848-9222. Kevin is in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. Hello, Kevin. Good morning, Frank. How are you? I am uh, am Um, great. Thank you. Good. So um, I don't subscribe to the conspiracy uh, theorists much. However, this issue about the CCP purchasing farmland in the United States is very disconcerting for me. Um, It's quite obvious to me, and I wish it was more obvious to more folks. You know, it's a multifaceted, long-term war that they're waging on us people here in the U.S. When you consider the, the pollution the fentanyl is causing, and I mean the pollution, the deaths that are occurring in our young young people, um, you know, we should take a page out of Huckabee Sanders' uh, playbook in that we should ban all purchases of uh, CCP ownership of land in the U.S. But uh, I'm concerned about their long-term plan, and I think it's really be 
being waged uh, to take us down. And that's my opinion, and I wish more people would think the same. Well, Kevin, I, uh, I don't know what their long-term plan is, but I find this very concerning. Because, I mean, you know, in China especially, there's not a big distinction between, there's almost no distinction, really, between private businesses in China and direction from the Chinese government. So if there is some broad plan that's being implemented, even if farmland is just being bought by Chinese companies, who's to say they're not following the direction of the Chinese government? I mean, they have relationships all over the world, including a lot of places where they could have very fertile uh, cropland. And yet it seems like they're still buying up a lot of the land here. I think that's a real, real problem. By the way, I want to mention um, Dexter Scott King, who I talked about on um, the day of Martin Luther on Martin Luther King Jr. Day, because he was one of the people that was adamant that his father was killed not by James Earl Ray, but as a result of a government conspiracy. He has passed away um, at the age of sixty-two. This was the son of uh, Martin Luther King Jr. And I didn't know much about him, but based on what everybody said, it seems like a pretty nice guy. Also. Today, we're seeing the news that Baseball Hall of Famer Ryan Sandberg had all those great years with the Chicago Cubs. He's revealed a prostate cancer diagnosis. Dexter Scott King also passed away. I mean, I haven't seen the autopsy, but he did have prostate cancer before um, passing away. So I think this really should be a reminder to really every guy over the age of 50, get your prostate checked. Not just the PSA test. Everyone's always promoting the PSA test, the PSA test. That's important. But there are there's all sorts of exams. Well, there's one primary exam that will examine your prostate irrespective of what the PSA levels are. So, you know, I had a, a friend and a colleague that passed away from cancer that started as prostate cancer. And I think had he been treated earlier... He would have. He could very well be alive right now. Instead, we're sitting in the Bernard McGurk studio, which is named for him. So I really do hope that folks will get their prostate checked. I used to be one of those guys that never goes to the doctor. Now I try to do a yearly physical because uh, my wife, once my son was born, said, you know, you're not doing this for, for you. And it had been probably five or six years before I went to the doctor. You're doing this for us. We need to make sure you're, you're okay and uh, able to be around for a while. And I think that's an important message. Guys tend to neglect every aspect of, um, you know, of their health. I'll, I'll just mention this one thing, and then we'll, we'll move on. Um, the, you know, there was this panel maybe about – what year is it now? Maybe about 10 years ago there was this panel – that recommended um, there was they recommended that mammo- women not get mammograms until fifty, which was a change in guidance from what their previous recommendation was, which was forty five. If I'm remembering correctly, I might be off on the number slightly, but I don't think I am. And <clears throat> women went crazy. There was letter-writing campaigns. There was front-page news. There was all sorts of um, people calling this out. How could this be? Calls to talk radio everywhere. And people were screaming bloody murder. murder. Women were going crazy, understandably. Then, maybe about six or seven months later, a similar panel came out with the same recommendation for men and their prostate. And there was no reaction. There was, okay. There was, oh, okay, we don't have to go until we're 50. It just goes to show you the difference in uh, prostate cancer awareness, which, as Dexter King can tell you, is, you know, very deadly, versus breast cancer awareness. So everyone in the world knows what the color for breast cancer awareness month is, right? Everybody knows. You know what it is. It's pink. Does anybody out there know what the color for the month of Prostate Cancer Awareness Month is? Do you have any idea? Tony, you have any idea what it is? No, I didn't know there was a color. I didn't know there was a month. I had to look it up. It's blue. It's blue. and But it just goes to show you, guys, we don't think about this stuff. And women are much better with this kind of thing. I'm not trying to be sexist, but that's just the case. So... Um, I think seeing the news about Ryan Sandberg and Dexter Scott King, it's a reminder, get get your prostate checked. All right. 
Noam Layden is here. We are not going to check his prostate, but we are going to check in with him and see what's happening in the news. And then we're going to go through the mail straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. Shipping can make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. First, the bad news. SAP Business AI won't help you generate Cubist versions of your family's holiday photos. But it will help you understand which supplier is best to help you roll out your plant-based packaging in Southeast Asia. Or identify the training your junior project manager needs to rise up the ranks. And automate repetitive tasks while you focus on big innovations. So you can be ready for the next opportunity. Revolutionary technology. Real-world results. That's SAP Business AI. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. It's the other side of midnight with Frank Morano. You know, it, this would have been, if he was still alive, this would have been John Hancock's birthday. John Hancock was born on this day in 1737, which means he shares a birthday with my friend Gary Perone, who is uh, a great guy uh, who hired me 23 years ago at the Brooklyn Cyclones, not as a player, uh, but in the video production department. And these days is the general manager for one of my favorite baseball teams, the Ferry Hawks. So happy birthday to Gary Perone. He and his family are doing some exciting things these days, and uh, I'm hoping to be able to celebrate with you soon. So happy birthday, Gary Perone. You share a birthday with John Hancock. Someone who does not share a birthday with either Gary Perone or John Hancock has just sauntered into the studio... Stand by for the other side of Midnight's News. From New York City, the other side of Midnight and its affiliated stations present national and international news with Frank Morano and news director Noam Layden. Their summary of the world news and personal comments. Get the rest of the story. Hello now. Good morning, Frank. You might have thought that the members of Hamas were the only guys who were having fun building tunnels under their city. But did you know that tunneling is huge no matter where you go around the world? I did not know. This was all news to me. But there's one woman who now has become huge on TikTok. She goes by Tunnel Girl. She lives in Virginia. She's been showing how she's been building this tunnel under slowly under her house for the last year. I mean, really almost by hand. I mean, she's not bringing any real construction equipment and shovels and she's doing it 
just for fun, basically. I mean, she thinks it may be used at some point if something happens in the world, but she's not one of these people who believes. Right, she's not a prepper. She's not a prepper, exactly. So she, day by day, was showing how she was building this tunnel on TikTok. And then, of course, what happened was it became so big uh, on TikTok that these authorities in Virginia, where she lives, said, wait a minute, she doesn't have a permit to build this tunnel. And they came in and they shut her down. Now she's actually put the permits in to build this tunnel. And she's just waiting to see if they'll let her do it. But who knew that tunneling was so big? She's not the only one. There was a guy in Toronto, media frenzy there. They found a tunnel 33 foot long uh, under the um, north of Toronto. Inside this tunnel, they found empty bottles, food containers, tools. The Toronto Police Department letting people know about this tunnel, wanting to know, like, who built it. Uh, The rumor mill started. Is this a terror tunnel is it connected to some terror group and then finally like a week later this guy came forward and he said no i was always curious about what it would be like to build a tunnel underground and so i slowly did and uh if you want to fill it in go in and fill it in i haven't been using it in a while so they did they've refilled the tunnel and it's no longer a tunnel now i heard about that virginia woman and it's interesting that she's going to get the permits uh, to do this now but you know, obviously, I think we talked about it at the time, the situation in, in Brooklyn with the Orthodox Jewish right. uh, parishioners that were building an underground tunnel. And the concern was not that they wanted to ruin you know, people's fun or stop anybody from getting some extra space for their home or their business. The concern was the what would happen to the structural integrity of these buildings. I of mean, course. I have to think this is a negative trend with all these people, the Toronto guy, the Virginia woman – tunneling and doing so publicly on TikTok, at least in the case of this Virginia woman, when, as I understand it, she doesn't have any expertise in structural engineering or anything like that. I'm concerned, sincerely, that you're going to see people all over the place start digging tunnels under their house. Well, it's funny you should say that. If you go on to TikTok today and you type that in, you will see that people are building tunnels either right next to their houses or underneath their houses. They say, it's in my property. They don't care about permits, and they're just going and digging and see how far they can get. This Strikes me as a terrible idea. I, you know, I think if you dig far enough, you can get to China. That's what I've heard. <laughs> I hear that. I hear that and maybe purchase some American farmland. By the way, tunneling does go all the way back. It's not a recent trend. In 1900, this guy emigrated from Italy to Fresno, California, and he started tunneling under his house. And he created like four or five rooms, no permits whatsoever. He built trees and orchards underneath his house. And now it's a museum you can go visit in Fresno, wow. California. See, so not all of it's bad. This is why people listen to this show, to learn something. Yes. Do not tell me you don't learn anything on this program because Noam <laughs> just taught you about the, the tunnels of Fresno. Yeah, and by the way, if you're one of those people building a tunnel, let us know about it. I'd be kind of curious to Absolutely. hear what you're doing. You can email me, frank.morano at redappleaudionetworks.com. Maybe Noam and I will come do our show from the tunnel. We'll help dig. Yeah. yeah. Well, mm. I'll help dig. Yeah. More married people are traveling alone. I love this trend, <laughs> by the way. And it is a new trend over the last couple of years. As more, you know, the older gen- this generation uh, starts to retire, these baby boomers are well on to retirement, but the next generation starts to retire. People realize that they don't always have a lot in common with their spouse in terms of where they want to go and how they want to travel. I have this with my wife, by the way. She wants to go on relaxing vacations. I can't sit still for a moment. So this would be perfect for me. But this is a trend that's gone huge just in the last year where you have these retired couples. It's mostly women, by the way, who travel on these solo vocations. These are not girl trips, which are still sort of popular. These are women mostly who want to see the world and have husbands who would rather sit home and watch television. And so they're booking these solo trips all over the world. Uh, this one woman uh, saying that the reason she did it, she says, I just, you know, I love my husband and I want to go home to him and there's nothing more than that. And she says, the great thing about it is I can uh, book this trip. And in this case, she uh, just booked one to the Middle East. She's from the Bay Area. She says, if I want to have falafel three times a deal, uh, three times a day for all the meals, I can. Mm. If I want to see a museum for hours on end, there's no husband there to bother me that he's bored. Mm. And uh, when we go back home, we're kind of back in love again. And, and she said in the case of her husband, he likes to go fishing. 
So she goes out to like Bali. She's seen the Middle East. She's going to Italy. And her husband's having a great time on a rowboat somewhere near home going fishing by himself. And this is a trend that uh, travel agencies say they've seen. The U.S. Consumer Travel Report, which does market research for these travel groups, says they've seen this huge spike of people 55 and over, mostly women who are traveling on their own. Uh, has nothing to do with not loving their spouse. They just want to see the world, and maybe their husband doesn't want to see it in the same way they do. Yeah, I had a um, an English teacher in high school, Mr. Ronaldson, great English teacher, by the way, and a great guy, who did this. And he, he told us that, in his experience, these separate vacations were good for the uh, relationship. I suggested this to my wife not too long ago, and she did not embrace this idea. She, she didn't did think not. it was a good idea. You know what it is, though? And I, I kind of agree with her. Because I went to, um, you know, my uh, my brother got married in Hawaii, so obviously you got to go, right? Right. So uh, even though these destination oh, weddings, the worst, they're, yeah. they're tough, yeah. right? They're tough. So <clears throat> I um, I went, but my wife had just had a baby and she was busy with work and some other things. She really wasn't in any position to go, and we would have had nobody to watch uh, Carmine. And he was, we're not going to put him on two thirteen-hour flights out there. When he's, you know, five or six months old. So I went by myself and I did find that I really missed sharing a lot of experiences with her that she would have enjoyed. There were some some positive aspects to being right. by myself, but especially with a bunch of people like our family that she really gets along with. I think, you know, I felt I felt a little guilty going on the vacation by myself. But you know what I think it is? I think if you have enough vacation time, like uh, you mentioned the example of the retired couple where you could do both couple, um, you know, uh, joint vacations and solo vacations, then I think it probably is is a wise thing for couples to try. But if you only have, like, you know, we don't get a lot of time off, obviously. If if you only have a little bit of vacation time, I think you're better off just doing the joint thing, hmm, in okay. my opinion. I don't know. I, I'm... Yeah, you don't. All right. <laughs> I See, will say... may, how long are you married? 20 years? 23 years. See, maybe yeah. that's the difference between being married 23 years and five years. That's, <laughs> right. That's it. You okay. know, I will point this one small thing out is once in a while, you know, the wife will take the kids and they'll go somewhere because I'm working, whatever. And I'm like, oh, this is going to be great. <laughs> I have like two days to my in the house by myself. And but I will tell you, after like 24 hours, I'm like, I'm ready for them to come home. You I, know? Totally so, can, uh, I yeah. totally can empathize <laughs> on that front. Absolutely. Uh, one more story. Please. I get these stories all the time as a news director where people, they'll have a, a woman or a man, their father or mother will pass away and they won't alert the authorities and they'll continue to collect their pension. I mean, this is, I, I feel like I get do the story every almost week. every single right. day. But this one is so absurd. This is a Kansas couple Uh, Mike Carroll is the dad. He passes away. They continue to collect his uh, pension. He worked in the telecommunications industry and was getting a pretty nice pension. And the money still keeps coming in. They collect the money. So they hide his body, okay, which is already a difficult thing to do. They collect his pension not for a couple months, not for a couple years. Six years they collect his pension for. By the way, they let everybody think he's alive. So people will call the house oh, looking geez. for him and they'll say, well, you know, he's not up for talking right now. And so, like, there were some nieces and nephews who said, you know, what's going on? He's not coming to a family events. He doesn't answer the phone. But nobody really questioned it to the nth degree where they showed up in the house and asked to see him. Well, finally, I don't know why. They just recently decided to say that he had passed away. And so they put his body into the bed of his the bed that he had lived in. And they alerted the police that he had passed away in his sleep. So the police showed up. And, of course, he's mummified at this point because he's been in the house for six years. And now, of course, they are facing a whole bunch of charges. They had collected like $200,000 over six years. They're going to have to pay that back. They may end up in prison. But uh, people are a little crazy. No doubt about it. That is insane. I would never do that. Awful. Awful. I hope Carmen doesn't do that to me. All right. Uh, thank you, Noam. Your pension won't be that much. Exactly. <laughs> I, you have to have a pension. All right. Thank you, Noam. You've done a yeoman's job as always. And now you know the rest of the story. You know what we'll do? I think we will hold off on the mail until tomorrow because, uh, you know, it's tough when you have three guests plus Noam to devote the appropriate time to the mail. And that also gives the folks here an opportunity to run to the post office and empty out the P.O. box. So if you want to write to me, we will read your letter tomorrow. Uh, My email is frank.morano at redappleaudionetworks.com. If you want to send snail mail, 
then you could send it to the other side of midnight. Attention, Frank Morano, P.O. Box seventeen seventy seven. It's P.O. Box seventeen seventy seven, New York, New York one zero one six three. And we will read your letters on the air tomorrow and again next week. Chris in the Catskills has been holding. What's on your mind, Chris? Good morning, Frank. Morning. Things with the NFL, uh, that's quite a rebound in the last six and a half years after the Colin Kaepernick and NFL players kneeling during the national anthem on the uh, Inside Edition television program. They were reporting how uh, pre-adolescent young girls are having an infatuation with the NFL because of Taylor Swift's relationship with Travis Kelsey. I saw that. Yeah, no, a lot of, um, you know, I read an article just this past weekend about a lot of, you know, middle-aged dads that are sharing articles and memes and photos and videos about the NFL with their uh, early teenage daughters because the daughters are following the games now because of uh, Taylor Swift. Hey, that's a great thing, right? I mean, Al Michaels doesn't think so. Tony Dungy doesn't think so. But, uh, hey, maybe it's great. It's not something I would have thought of, but whatever works. That's why we mention uh, Taylor Swift from time to time. We let her, you know, she's great, good for ratings. Larry in Brooklyn. Hi, Larry. Yes, hi. Frank. I wanted to tell you, you know, it's a self-defeating proposition to think you're going to lose weight by working out. Because what is the word that adheres in the word workout? Work. And when you work, you want to get compensated for it. Hence the things on the M&Ms. If you just have fun and play sports, when you're finished, you know, you're burning calories and you don't feel like you like you deserve a reward because you had fun. Yeah, that's a good so point. That's why, uh, point. you know, that's why diets don't work, Frank. You're not going to get anywhere with the treadmill. There you go. I'll well, you no, right it's now. well, it's a bicycle. But uh, no, fair enough, Larry. That's, that's a good point. Can't argue with you there, Larry. Um, all right. <clears throat> I also want to wish a happy birthday to an addition of Joe Sibelia that we mentioned earlier. Corey Windelspect. Corey Windelspect has been a guest on this show before. I don't even know how to describe Corey Windelspect, but he's a great guy and someone that uh, caused the Holland Tunnel to be redecorated at Christmas time. You type in Corey Windelspect and Holland Tunnel, a whole world opens up and you will see what I mean. Because uh, six years ago, he made history, and uh, I've, I became friends with him because I covered that incident at the time. But uh, he's really an impressive guy, and uh, I am uh, happy to call him a friend. But unfortunately, a lot of the songs that he selected were a little bit too obscure for us to play, so he got replaced by INXS. All right. We're going to do 15 seconds of fame in just a moment. If you want to be heard, if you're, by the way, M- Missourians, who are not used to hear Missourians, Missourians who are not used to hearing this hour of the program every day. This is your opportunity to be heard on any subject you like. You're not beholden to anything that I'm talking about. So use 15 seconds as long as you don't include profanity or anything like that to say whatever you like. 800-848-9222. This is the other side of midnight. Straight ahead. The other side of midnight. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Side at Midnight with Frank Morano.
The late, great Andy B. Singing about what this show is, The Other Side of Midnight. All right, why don't we give you an opportunity to be heard for 15 seconds at 800-848-9222. That's 800-848-9222. As part of... The Other Side of Midnight. This is 15 Seconds of Fame. Mike. Yeah, don't forget, vote for a vet. Writing in Alan West for president. Rusty. Yeah, Frank, I'm wrong. I'm, I'm sorry. I apologize for what I said, asking you a que- you know, question and giving you an answer. I wanted to apologize. I really want to know the answer to the question. Timothy. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The 301, and their name is Jesus Christ, God Almighty. Read the Bible, know the truth. Raj, if you really look for unreported news, in recent years Israel has been killing prominent Iranians and destroying Iranian interests at least two or three times a week, warmonger, giggling, uh, Raka. Strike, I just finished digging my tunnel. Guess where it led to? China. It led to China. So I think the immig- illegal immigrants are digging China's in- to tunnels and it's leading here to the U.S. Robert. Commies take candidates off the ballot, like Biden is. Jose. Please go to O'KeefeMediaGroup.com. James O'Keefe, former your Project Veritas, is out there telling the truth. O'KeefeMediaGroup.com, O'KeefeMediaGroup.com, O'KeefeMediaGroup.com. Ray. Yeah, I don't know if anybody corrected you, Frank, but Elvis liked peanut butter and banana sandwiches, not bacon. Both. And both. also, also right. uh, yeah, that's it. Both. Mark. Sizzle moron, sizzle moron, sizzle moron. Oh, thank goodness we got that guy in there. All right. That slams the lid on things for today. God willing, I will be back tomorrow. Japan has gone to the moon, and I will go over that subject with uh, Dr. Sky uh, and and a great deal more tomorrow. Got some other fun things planned for tomorrow. A lot of other stuff that I didn't get to, including a fascinating mystery that I never would have learned about had the Wall Street Journal not done an article on it this past weekend. Maybe you already know what I'm talking about. But if you don't, and you like mysteries, don't miss tomorrow's show, because we're going to get into this, and it's going to be really interesting. All right. Frank Morano, good day. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.